Welcome back to the MicroConf podcast. This is another MicroConf refresh episode where we look at some of the best MicroConf talks from the past 11 years of running in-person and online events. I'm your host, Rob Walling, and today's talk is the talk I gave at MicroConf Remote just a few months ago, and the focus of that event was on no code. Before I dive in to the summary of that talk, I want to let you know that tickets to our next in-person event, MicroConf Growth, are on sale now. MicroConf Growth is April 3rd through the 5th in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can head to microconf.com growth for more information and to secure your ticket. We will be selling out here in the next I'd say a few days, a few weeks. Uh, so if you're interested in going, you will want to head to microconf.com slash growth. But back to our main event, this talk on the feed today is the start of our microconf remote refresh talks, where we're dropping in the recordings from our most recent microconf remote. You can head to microconf.com slash remote to find the video archives, the decks, and more. So in today's talk, I give an overview of no code from a SaaS founder's perspective. As a SaaS founder, we've been using no code without calling it no code for years. I cover some of the history of automations, linking tools together, how it's evolved into the no code movement. And I answer some, I'd say common questions that people have about no code. These are questions I had before I sat down to research this talk, as well as I offer several predictions about where I think no code is headed in the years to come. So with that, let's dive into my talk, The SaaS Founder's Guide to No Code. So I'm going to be running through, um, I mean, this will be 15 minutes-ish, and I really wanted to get my head around, you know, I've, I've had, obviously, experience with no code. Um, and in fact, when producers Andrew and I were kind of hashing out of like, I was like, well, you know, I kind of, I know what no code is when I see it, I think, like, doesn't it involve Zapier? And, and he was like, we have no code you know, running all kinds of processes for microconf that folks um, who run SaaS apps can also use. And so that's what I wanted to dig into was trying to solidify my thinking around um, the definition of no code, the pros and cons of it, um, and maybe make, you know, a couple predictions as well. So SaaS Founders Guide to No Code, let's dive in. So I'm going to be covering three things. I want to give a quick definition, and as you'll find out, defining no-code is not the easiest thing to do. I think there's still um, conversation online and discussion about what it actually is and is not. I'll talk about the pros and cons of it briefly, and then talk through a few predictions. So to define no-code, um, I actually went, oh, at the end I'll give some sources. I have like five or six uh, kind of articles um, that I had read through and referenced uh, I read through 15, 20 articles to kind of solidify my thinking, but there were a few that were, that were really good. And the definition is not standard across all of them. So I'm going to give you my definition based on uh, my experience and, and what I'm seeing. So I think that no code is using zero, using no code, using zero code to accomplish something that used to require code. And I think that's an important piece of it. And then usually it involves linking multiple tools together. Now there are exceptions to that. And we'll look at a couple of those um, in the next section, actually. Um, tools like Squarespace are considered a no-code website builder, which makes sense. It makes sense, because you don't need to write code to do something you use and need to write code to do, right? Back in the 90s, we had to build all the websites by hand. Um, so it's not always the linking of, of multiple tools, but I think uh, that's been a pretty heavy heavy part um, of, for, you know, in the, in the research and the experience that I have. 
Um, oh, a couple examples. So how we're, I asked producer Xander, like, how are we using it, you know, with microconf? Um, and basically two things you'll be familiar with. One is our mastermind matching, uh, microconfmasterminds.com is where we match up. I don't know, we've matched literally hundreds and hundreds of founders together in these masterminds, and we, we're getting great feedback about people um, finally being able to be in a mastermind. We have these, had, you know, we've had the question uh, for a decade since I started talking about startup masterminds, where can I find one? And that, that's what we do now. Um, a few times, I think it's once a quarter we do ma matching. And basically we have a type form on the front end, and then that pump, you know, pumps in. It might even go through Zapier, actually. This may not be 100% correct, but it pumps to Airtable and to Drip. And it pumps it to Drip so we can communicate, and it pumps to Airtable. And you'll see the nice little uh, screenshot. That's not the actual screenshot of matching. But um, producer Xander then gets in and runs some his unique proprietary microconf matching algorithm and matches folks up. And so... He, you know, if you think about doing this 15, 20 years ago, we would have had to write some code to do this. Would have been, we would have had to, I mean, I remember building forms by hand with HTML and then either put, storing it in a database or sending an email and someone have to copy paste out, you know, the, the magic of type form into Airtable, just that simple thing that we take for granted these days used to be a lot of time and effort and, and cost, right? For a developer. Another example of how we're using uh, no code is the registration process for this very event. We used Stripe payment links, which allows you to basically set up a whole payments page with, you know, zero code. And then we pipe it into Zapier. And then that also pipes into drip and then into Squarespace, um, to allow us to give you access. And, you know, obviously drip is to allow us to communicate with you. And there are going to be many other examples of um, interesting workflows and interesting no-code um, setups that you're going to see from these awesome speakers here over the next three days. This afternoon, uh, in about, what, an hour, I guess, um, Nico's going to be joining us here. And then there were the rest of the folks the other days, and we're going to be talking about SEO, about uh, automating a sales, when you call that reach in a sales process, about building an audience. There's tons of things that are applicable to SaaS founders. One question I kept coming, you know, this is still on the definition, but one question I kept coming across was, is no code the future of app development? In other words, the question is, well, are we going to need code in five or 10 years? You know, or, or is it just going to basically be um, replaced by no code? And so the thought experiment I went through was like, think back 20 years when we had to hand code every website. And then WordPress and Squarespace and Wix came along. We still needed code, but you didn't need to then hand code every marketing website like we used to. Then you couldn't accept payments online, right? You used to have to write backend code to accept that. We forget this, but uh, you know, without tools like Shopify, Stripe, Gumroad, Sandal, et cetera, et cetera, these tools didn't mean, oh, we don't have to write code anymore. It just means we don't have to spend a bunch of time writing the same code. I cannot tell you how many shopping carts that I built from 1999 to 2002, and it was just e-commerce shopping carts over and over. We just had a, you know, a, this, we used the same data model, and I would write it in PHP, or I'd write it in ASP, or I'd write it in .NET, and it was because there was no good Shopify. There was Yahoo stores, which was, yeah, it was kind of meh, but um, these things didn't mean no code. It meant, oh, now we, if we have Shopify, now we can actually focus on the things that really matter, um, which are things like, you know, uh, uh, maybe backend order fulfillment and, and writing code to tie inventory to something. You know, th there's always something else to do. 
And then remember when you couldn't connect two apps without code? I mean, you literally had to send a webhook and, and, um, you know, and catch it on the other end. And of course, now we have Zapier and there's If This Then That. And there's, uh, there's another tool that is Zapier competitor. I don't remember the name of it. So these things don't replace app development. But what they do is they handle more and more use cases as time goes on. And I'm a believer that there will always be a need for developers because going deep, deep, deep into a SaaS app and building all this custom stuff we build, um, I can't imagine that will ever be replaced. But these tools and this no code allows us to take, first it's 2% of the code we write and put it into no code. And then it's 5% and then it's 10%. Will it ever get to 100%? I don't believe it will. But will it get to 10 or 20% of the code we used to write? I do. I mean, a lot of the code that we used to write, if you think back 20 years, was hand coding websites and building e-commerce, you know, e-commerce functionality. And we don't have to do that now. We can build, focus on the things that matter. The no-code landscape, this is, I love this diagram I found in one of the articles. I'll reference it later. But um, this is cool because they break it up into 12 areas, right? 12 categories. And you, you see website builder. I'm not going to talk through all of them, but there's website builders. There's app builders, like mobile. There's web app builders. And then there's internal tools. There's workflow automation. Like each of these kind of gets your head around, okay, so no-code... It can do a lot of things, but it's kind of, there's these 12 buckets mostly, right? Um, there's, and, and when I look through this, I was like, yeah, these are all the areas that I've heard people using, like data visualization. These are all the areas I've heard people using them. Um, and so this is kind of a cool thing to reference for kind of your own edification of thinking about which areas, you know, could I feasibly automate or use no code in? So let's talk briefly about pros and cons before I get into, you know, wrap up with a few predictions. So the pros and cons in both in my experience and from talking to a couple founders who use no code, actually there's several founders I know who do, and uh, in, in my online research, um, no code is so fast to build. Like to hook up a Zapier, uh, essentially a webhook, and to pipe it into to Drip or something else is so much faster than, than cranking up code to hit an API. In addition, as long as it, things don't get too complex, they are pretty easy to maintain um, because they're visual and you walk in and you look at the zap or you look at the setup and you can figure out what's happening. Oftentimes with code, that may or may not be, may or may not be the case. Um, and frankly, no coding skills required. That's the obvious thing, but it's an obvious statement, but there are things that folks on my team who don't know how to code, there are things that they are doing, like the registration setup for this, like the mastermind matching, that we would have had to hire a developer to do, or um, frankly had to hire a developer to do, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, that it, it really is, I, I can't st overstate how important that is. Especially in an organization, I think if you're a developer, we take things for granted that we can always, you know, do, uh, automate things using code. And think of like nonprofit orgs where they don't have a ton of budget, or think about at a large company where development resources may be reserved for building product or for doing other things. And someone in marketing wants to quickly hack something together. It really that that's the use case. Like these are the use cases that I think are are fundamentally going to change. It's part of my predictions. I guess I'm giving away my predictions, but it's fundamentally going to change things moving forward. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So no code is great for build if you want to build an MVP 
uh, for building simple CRUD apps. Um, the, the app builders are actually pretty decent, but they're but they're limited, right? They're limited to the widgets that you can drag around. And when you hit the you know hit the limit of that, then um, you do have to dip into code. They're great for internal tools, line of business apps, and automating simple tasks, um, as well as backend. I've heard a couple productized service folks who use um, Notion and Airtable as essentially their operating system for their productized service, right? It's how they automate everything. And you can build, um, someone literally had a half a million dollar a year productized service just running on no code tools, um, which is which is really cool. So the cons or the challenges with no code are, it is, it is tough to scale. Um, if you've ever had a zap hooked up and sent a lot of volume through it, um, you'll know that you know, one in a hundred gets dropped. And so, uh, or, or if you suddenly send 10,000 through, like there'll be rate limiting. So the scalability of no code is, um, in certain instances, especially in automations is, can be tough. Now is the scalability of building a Squarespace website in question? No, we have a bunch of websites, actually the microconf website, tiny C website are all built on uh, Squarespace and we haven't had, um, you know, issues with, with those scaling, but there's, when you hook tools together, you start to see, you can start to see some issues as you, as you push scale, um, that you wouldn't see if you, you know, had hand coded everything in a, in a much more efficient way. Oh, I also want to remind folks, uh, if you have questions, you can ask them in the chat. I do believe we'll have a minute or two, um, at the end for me to uh, answer them. So another con is the brittleness of it. And again, if you tie a zap to, you know, something that goes into drip to then a Google sheet, little things can break and I'll say that the reporting or the error cat error handling is, is, you know, leaves some to be desired. Oftentimes, uh, Zapier zaps will break and we just won't notice. And we have one no code zap with podcast questions for startups for the rest of us, where it goes from, um, video ask and it uses a zap to send it to a Trello board, I believe. And I don't know if that uses email or not, but just, I was like, wow, we're really not getting any questions and, uh, found out like an OAuth had failed. Right. But we just, we didn't know there, there's a brittleness to it that, um, you do have to be mindful of. And so, um, no code is not great in my opinion for large complex systems. You still need code for these things, systems that need to scale. And for the most part, and this one's a little tough, but I think internal apps, it's amazing. And I think if you're going to build like an end user customer facing app, I would, and especially if you want it to scale, I would tend to lean pretty heavily towards, you know, coding it out. Now, maybe I'd, I'd build an MVP using no code. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I know there are examples of folks who have actually built external facing apps. I get it. But in my opinion, it's, it's probably not the first use case that I would be looking to use no code for. A couple predictions. Um, and then... I will uh, dig into the questions. Looks like I have a couple piling up there. Um, I believe, and, and some of these are already happening and already evolving, but there are and will be no-code software companies, not just productized service, but people who truly build a mobile app or a web app and are able to build a business on it. Maybe it doesn't become a $10 million business, but you know, for a lifestyle business, um, for an amazing 10 grand a month. Like, I think that there is a lot that can be built with no code that you can build an entire software, you know, a, essentially a SaaS uh, on as long, but it's got to be pretty simple. It's got to fit within the paradigm of the existing tools. Oh, there's, I should also say, you know, there's something called low code as well, if you haven't heard about this. And low code is just what it sounds like. It's where you reach the edge of no code and you 
need a little bit of code, but not a ton. And that actually can get you, um, that can get you a lot further. There's just a lot, you, you know, there's a lot more flexibility if you can dip down into that layer. Um, this is a, a prediction from an article that you see, I'll link down below. 80% of tech could be built outside of IT by 2024. This one's, I think, less interesting to us as founders, but I think it's more interesting to us as um, just participants in the economy is... I talked about it earlier, but you know, imagine the the nonprofit without the budget or the Fortune 5000 company where you just can't get a developer IT. Your IT department won't build things for you, but you want or need to improve your process. The fact that that VentureBeat is predicting that eighty percent tech this seems really high, but um, any any amount twenty percent forty percent is still a tremendous boon to productivity, and it's a boon to the economy. Um, and I actually think it will be an on-ramp for a lot of people to learn how to code. I remember people, I knew so many developers who, especially 15 years ago, who said, oh yeah, I started using Excel and I, um, it, it, I hit the edges of it. I, I learned all the formulas. So then I dipped into Access. I learned all the formulas there. So then I started building an Access app and then I learned ASP and then I learned .NET. You know, it was like the on-ramp, the gateway, if you will. And I think that no code will be a gateway for a lot of people um, who start building a simple tool and will expand into learning low code and then learning to code. And I think that's great. Honestly, I think that's great. Uh, no code freelancers. I'm waiting for the day. And maybe if I went to Upwork today and typed in no code, you know, there's probably a few experts, but I think this will be, um, there's opportunity on both sides of this. If you're a freelancer yourself and you want to add no code as a skill set, I think it's super interesting. And I think that there will come a day where, you know, it isn't producer Xander hacking all these things together that we actually hire someone who knows the no code ecosystem enough that we can say, build, can you build this with no code? Yes. And here's, you know, here's how you do it. Here's how to sign up. And, um, AR, VR dev. I don't know of anybody that's doing that yet, right? Now, right now we have web apps, we have websites, and we have mobile app builders. And then there's a lot of automation and data visualization. But AR, VR dev, I think is something that is inevitable. And AI as well, I had another slide, but AI and AR, VR, I think will uh, be no-coded, uh, you know, emerging into the no-code uh, scene here soon, if it's not already. There's obviously, um, you know, a chance it's already happening and I, I'm not aware of it. And then this one's interesting. It's like, if you think back 20 years ago, web development, which was just website building, was all from scratch, like I've said three times now. But when, um, you know, Squarespace and Woo, uh, WooCommerce and, uh, and uh, WordPress and the other Wix and the other website builders came out, it, it didn't suddenly make, you know, web development agencies, website builders uh, obsolete. They used it as a as a basis to build on, and they could get more done faster. Now, I think app development agencies who are actually building web apps and mobile apps can use and will use no and low code as a starting point, so they can get there faster. You know, so you don't have to build the shopping cart functionality over and over. You don't have to build the same chat widget. You just you drag it in, and you build on top of it. Uh, these are a few sources. Uh, Producer Xander is going to be distributing slides, so you will have access to these. Um, and now I have time for a question or two. All right. I will dig in. Let's see. Um, <laughs> a comment from Spencer. A huge company where IT won't build things for you, he's quoting me, is exactly what my mom experiences at her job. Now they're teaching her no code. That's incredible. That's awesome. Um, 
I'm going to, producer Xander, sorry, I'm bouncing around. He's trying to get the questions in. I'm going to do the top question. So what's a good resource for a founder to learn more about no code? Well, obviously, um, this event, but beyond this, uh, the place that I have gone to, to learn about is MakerPad. MakerPad.co is a great resource. They're actually owned by Zapier. They were acquired by Zapier maybe six, eight months ago. A good community, good online resources. Um, next question. I'm a non-technical founder who wants to start a SaaS should I learn to code or focus on learning no code? Really interesting question, actually. Um, the, uh, it, A, there's no right or wrong answer, right? Um, and I feel like the hard, the, the complexity of SaaS, there's uh, obviously building the software is a big complexity, but one the big risk in SaaS is that no one wants it, right? It's the market risk, because um, there's market and there's uh, execution risk. And I don't know that I would learn to code these days um, unless it's, well, here's the thing. If you're interested in learning to code, like if, if you're drawn to it, yes, you should probably start with no code, do some low code and then dive in and learn it. But I think that ultimately if you're going to build a SaaS app and you're willing to find a co-founder, but you're willing to validate something first and get, you know, what if you get a thousand, two thousand $2,000 a month built on no code, like that starts to validate an idea to the point where now you can go to that developer. You know, it's the age old thing of, I'm going to go to developer and do rev share. <laughs> and, um, that's like the famous developers don't want to do that. Um, and, and you don't have to deal with, um, you know, you don't have to deal with, uh, the, I'd say the complexities of building the SaaS app upfront if you can do, uh, no code. All right, next, two more questions. I just recently did an interview with Zapier's research team, and they were really surprised that we are building in redundancies in our Zaps to make sure that failure can be avoided. Do you think the success rate is high enough in these integrations to warrant that that um, that surprise? In my experience, like the failure rate is, um, it's enough that it's a problem. Do I think it'll get better over time? I do. I mean, even webhook failure rates are not great. Um, so yeah, if I had something that was mission critical, I would absolutely have built in some type of monitoring and some type of redundancy. There's just no doubt about it. Or I'd write it in code and then, and then build it there. Um, all right. As a developer, last one, as a developer, I don't really understand the difference between no and low code. Development is basically just playing Legos. Yeah. So between no and low code. All right. So no code truly is zero code. I'm going to drag some visual things. Uh, if you use Zapier, there's the, you know, the thing on the left, the action and the, what are the trigger and the action? Same in drip, like drip is actually as much of a no code tool as, as a lot of things are. And then low code is instead of building it all, like imagine you're in, um, Squarespace and you drag a widget on, it doesn't quite do what you want to do. You can then embed JavaScript on that page, or you can dip into JavaScript and you can write a script to maybe change the behavior of that. So you didn't have to build everything. You still had this huge basis to work on. Um, and I was thinking there's even an example with Drip or with Zapier where you can set up an, a trigger and an action and it can hit a, a generic webhook endpoint to where something happens in Zapier and it sends data but you need to just write something to catch that data and you have to do that custom, right? It passes it as like JSON and you just capture it and you process it. And, um, there's a little bit of code there, but you didn't have to build the whole automation. So I, in my opinion, those would be, uh, 
you know, lo really low code um, examples. Thanks so much again for joining me this week on another MicroConf Refresh episode. Next week, we will have the audio from our most recent MicroConf on-air live stream. And then the following week, we will dive back in to our MicroConf remote talks from just a few months ago. It's going to be a great time. See you then.